You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome, everybody, to the first episode of Talking Texas Football, a little new production at uh, Horns 24-7. And for the first edition of the podcast YouTube stream, we've got Stephen and Gotti from Fanatic Perspective. Stephen, those who have been listening know that this is part two. We just recorded an hour on your YouTube channel, and we're going to keep on rolling. Do a little bit of a home and home for everybody. How's it going? Are you a little sick of talking with me about Texas uh, Longhorn sports? Oh no, absolutely not, man. This has been a, this has been a blast, and hopefully, you guys, that got to see part one. We pick up right where we left off, and there's just so much juicy stuff to discuss. Like we said, 87 days, Kyle Shanahan days away from uh, kickoff. So couldn't be more excited to talk ball with you, Hudson. And thank you for having me on the initial episode, brother. Congrats, and, and I'm excited to be here. It's going to be fun. I'll try to keep it short for those who are continuously listening. I know that there's going to be a good chunk of people who want to skip the formalities and just uh, go ahead. But friendly reminder, a like and a subscribe, please. They're both free. It takes five seconds to do and helps us out a ton. And also, if you're a Horns 24-7 member that isn't as familiar with Steven's work at Fanatic Perspective, check out his YouTube channel. We'll have the uh, street, the link in the description and we'll get rolling. Steven, we've been talking for an hour about Texas sports, but it feels like we still have so much to get to about the uh, roster, about overall how it's going to go 87 days from now. I mean, we haven't really even gone into the quarterback battle. Kind of set the stage for me. How are you anticipate? How are you reading the Quinn Ewers versus Hudson card battle and the second QB battle and QB competition of the Steve Sarkeesian era. You know, some people look at it with a little bit of PTSD Hudson after how it went last year. And we talked about part one, we, we did more big picture and more just staff outlook and, and overall outlook of the program. And one of the things we, we touched on there was Sark, understanding of what happened, what didn't work, what I need to adjust and being transparent and open about that. And I think with this particular quarterback competition, I think it's a different competition because you have somebody like a Quinn Ewers that you just didn't have talent wise last year. I mean, Texas hasn't had a guy talent wise like this in, you know, since the, you know, Vince Young days. Right. So it's already a different circumstance, but in terms of, outlook how it was handled we already saw what i already like to see even at the spring game or practice where they actually both got to work with the ones hudson card is developing and is improving and i think that's something to note for texas fans it's a good thing that hudson card becomes a better quarterback because you're going to need to and at some point somebody either gets hurt or whatever and any situation can arise so hudson card improving is nothing against us wanting to see Quinn Ewers and the excitement and what he brings to the table because he's a dynamic generational prospect. So with that being said, I love what I've been seeing after the spring from Quinn. And I know it's just social media and all that, but the relationship building and just that he, it feels like he's the quarterback. It just feels that way. And I think with his with his skill set, 
with how young this team is, especially the offensive linemen that are coming in that we'll get to here in a little bit. I think with the big note that you mentioned of Steve Sarkeesian wanting to get the decision out sooner rather than later, with how quickly Quinn ramped, which is what we wanted to see as well, Hudson pushing him, I expect Quinn Ewers to be our starting quarterback when the season opens. That's just my expectation. Uh, nothing Again, nothing against Hudson Carr. I want him to continue to improve. I want my quarterback room to be as proficient as good as possible. I want it to be like it was how he felt like what he had at USC back in the day with, with Liner and, 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 and uh, uh, Matt Castle and all those guys. Like anybody can play. Yeah. But I think Quinn Ewers is going to be your starting quarterback. It's really interesting too, Stephen, because it is that element of you don't want to be disingenuous as an analyst when you're looking at this and just be like, well, it'll be the best man wins and it's who knows at this point. No, we do, we have the sourcing. We kind of understand how this could be trending, but also you want to be respectful enough to Steve Sarkeesian and his program and also just not get ahead of your horses and start getting to the point of speculating to where you call a winner before they can really even get into that fall camp competition. It's going to be interesting. Like you said, though, you do need two quarterbacks at a minimum in college football with the way the injuries happen and just the wild twist and turns. So the fact that Hudson card has been improving and I've honestly, I don't know if you've had this experience, Stephen, I've heard some fans almost skeptical. Well, is he really improving? Is he actually improving when the bolts are flying? Yeah. In spring practice, he absolutely was looking more composed in the pocket and was taking those next steps to develop, which is almost the reason why Steve Sarkeesian is here to build those quarterbacks and why Hudson card maybe didn't enter the portal when at a different program, if he wasn't so sure about the head coach's track record and QB development, he could have just left. But I think that the truth is Hudson Card is getting a lot better, and he is going to push Quinn Ewers. Now, do I think my personal opinion that this eventually ends with Quinn Ewers winning the starting quarterback job? I do. That's just how I feel. But like you're kind of saying, you do need two, and Hudson Card – almost being in maybe like a little bit of an elevated Shane Bouchelle role when Shane and Sam competed and Shane stayed on isn't the worst thing for this program. In fact, it's just a great thing. I've uh, grown a lot in my opinion of Malik Murphy after his senior year, but you do not want him on the field this year. You just don't. So I think that that's a good starting off point and kind of talking about sources, Stephen, I mentioned in an update yesterday, I don't know if you ended up seeing it, that uh, Ajay Hall in summer workouts is just absolutely crushing it and is looking, and I've said this from the jump, he is built like a Julio Jones region. He's built like if a computer, uh, like if Madden was like, hey, uh, let's just run Julio Jones back through the system. That's how he's physically built, obviously as a player. God, he's got to stay consistent and everything, but absolutely because that name, that name, you know, people are gonna come in the oh, comments right now that Julio exactly. But when you look at the fact that he is a legit 6'3, he has an 82 and a half inch wingspan, a 36 inch arm, runs like a 4'2 shuttle and a 4'5 legit laser 40. So that's what I'm talking about when he is built like an alien. 
Steven, you know, you know this, but you don't get on the field at Alabama as a true freshman unless you are a freak of all freak. And the fact that he was doing that while like having a bunch of red flags, like that just shows how talent, talented he is that in spite of a lot of red flags off the field and in the locker room, maybe he was still good enough to make the field for Nick Saban. And everything that we've heard from sources is that he's just keeping his head down working and it's just looking like a freak in summer workouts. So heard that both quarterbacks are um, looking good. But again, it's just seven on seven and past skeleton on the off days from the weight room. So not a ton to be gained there. But we do have that first look at a Jai Hall. Kind of interesting. So the as we go into the, the breakdown, even of the receiver room, right? Because we were in the pursuit for Jordan Addison. Everybody's very, very high on, hey, pursuing him, blah, blah, blah. But we want a Jai Hall and we got a Jai Hall from the portal. And I know the red flags and, and, and all those things that were there. And it was, it was something that I really wanted us to make sure we did our due diligence and, yeah. and pursuing the player and making sure that that's not going, you know, how the problems we've had here at Texas internally. So now that, you know, we're already starting to hear some good things and, and you know, it takes a while for some guys to grow up real rap off the field and stuff. And the group we have, Jordan Whittington, Xavier Worthy, Isaiah Nayor. How do you feel, you know, overall? I mean, just I, I feel like the excitement level of this group really after the running backs, it's them. Am I tripping on that or like am I over for, for me? In the room? For, for me, it is. And Stephen, I'll pose this to you. Uh, Colin Kennedy, who works at 247 and um, is one of my friends, we were in a group chat talking about a bunch of different college football stuff yesterday because, you know, the itch is real. Everybody's watching old games on YouTube, like the countdown's in effect. And he texted the group and said, hey, if I told you 12 months ago that Texas was going to have better offensive weapons than Oklahoma, what would y'all have thought? And that's just that kind of made me do a double take of when you look at their wide receiver room. Yet room, yeah, Marvin Mims is electric, but the names that you listed and what we heard and now even saw, like it was one thing to see what Isaiah Naor did at Wyoming, and then to hear uh, like my first ever spring practice uh, report that uh, I wrote and got really good stuff from my sources was like, yeah, Isaiah Nayor looks like an absolute monster. And then we actually got to saw it, see it in the uh, spring game. And so that's almost a added level of comfort. And now you're hearing about a Jai Hall. We haven't even mentioned Tariq Milton, who they added is almost, exactly. I think, a little bit of a Jordan Whittington security blanket could get in that similar uh, slot role. Um, so, I mean, Steven, it's just absolutely loaded. I agree with you. It is the running back is the best position group. It, it, the running backs are the best position group in the nation when it comes to that specific group. But wide receivers, I'm the most excited about by far. I mean, even from a because we're we're going to talk personnel and scheme, and I'm excited to get into that. But I think complementary too. I, I see a, a lot of guys who a are versatile can can line up in a myriad different situations, different personnel groupings. I think we're going to play a lot more twelve personnel than people realize, but that's a, that's a different conversation, you know, for a little bit later in this in this video. I do think though, 
with like one of the things with Hall that you do see even in college is run after catch. He can catch a drag route and run away from people like just little things that we haven't quite frankly seen at the 40 from a lot of guys in, in a long time. I mean, maybe probably since like little Jordan Humphrey, that was really, really good con- on a consistent basis of just catching a drag or a slant, breaking a couple tackles and getting upfield with, with some level of explosiveness. You have multiple be- people that can do that. Xavier Worthy scored open OU on a screen, 80 yards, touchdown. You mentioned Isaiah Nayor, the wow factor. That that bomb from Quinn Ewers, that 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 video that Texas fans have on repeat since the spring game, that's that's what people envisioned. And we saw it, right? On that deep post. The the the, the, the when when you see Jordan Whittington run after catch, he has that ability. We know what he can do out the slot. We've been watching Milton tape at Iowa State. How many people he broke off? OU, he scored touchdowns against OU, Texas, everybody in the conference. That's your room. That's your, like, Hudson. It's about to get, it's about to get, it's about to get silly. And my, I'm not, and it's, it's not like, when I say silly, I'm not saying, oh, Texas going to feed her, you know, like our boy Karen. We're not going full <laughs> blown. Just about to that, yeah. You know, slap the bag with the Kool-Aid right now. But what I am saying is aesthetically, the excitement level of your product, especially with these young, exciting, very talented people, it's going to look good with the Steve Sarkeesian scheme behind it. Absolutely. And I do think that I'm glad that you clarified because the, the truth is it will be silly. It's going to be fun as hell. But I'm sure a lot of fans are kind of thinking to themselves listening to this. Well, fun as hell doesn't really win football games. I want to know who our starting right tackle is going to be. Absolutely with you on that. And I guess what I would say is you still get to that point, though, to where if the the skill talent is at a certain level, you can kind of hide some deficiencies in the offensive line. It used to not work like that, but I think Lincoln Riley, I want to say in 2019 or 2020, had a kind of sneaky bad uh, Bill Badenbaugh offensive line, but he was able to scheme around because every other piece on the offense was so electric that if you just got them in space – uh, it was kind of over. And I do think that just a touching on a quick scheme thing right now, Stephen, I think what you're going to see, you nailed it on the 12 personnel aspect, but even when they are in 11, Jordan Whittington is going to have so many opportunities matched up against a linebacker, matched up against an overhang safety where it's one-on-one and he is on a juke or any type of route that he just has to beat one guy to where last year when we were starting the season, he was excellent in that number one wide receiver role before he got injured. He he really was one of those points. I think when people go back and watch the season, you see a difference Big time. with the football team when he went down. Um, mental toughness, all those things. But I've always said with Jordan Whittington, his football IQ – we know he can run and the physicality and and just the type of player he is, but to do what he did on a consistent basis over the middle and how he's winning his routes um, showed me a lot of very high level football IQ. And that was missed. That was missed. You know, the mental mistakes we've all seen um, the lack of playmaking ability, the lack of just being quarterback friendly on third down when you had guys that were inconsistent at Hudson Carr and Casey Thompson. 
and that he was really reliable for them. And I think having somebody that's quarterback friendly for Quinn Ewers is going to be important because hey, fun as hell is great. And I think that does sell to some degree, but I'm also excited. My excitement isn't just from fun as hell. My excitement is from watching the journey of these players. Yes. Jordan Whittington is an older, you know, more established guy, but Xavier worthy going into year two, even as crazy a year he had last year, like, like, what, a couple yards under 1,000, 12 touchdowns, he left some meat on the bone, if you ask him. Like, he has room to get better. And Nayer is going to have some moments where he looks insane. There's going to be some growing pain moments. I expect growing pain moments from Ajayi Hall. I expect, you know, growing pump, growing pain moments if however much Brennan Thompson plays. Like, all these, these guys that are younger, and then we're talking about the offensive line too, there's going to be moments where they're just figuring stuff out but their talent and watching them, like I expect them to be better football players in 2023 is my point. I expect them to be better football players, those who are around in 2024 and, and so forth. But for 2022 and what we're going to see play out, my excitement is also from seeing their journey, especially starting from last year with guys like Xavier Worthy. For sure. Steven, you touched on the 12 personnel thing. I think this is kind of a good time to jump into that. Good. wrinkle a little bit one thing that i'd like to preface before we get started in this conversation is that not all 12 personnel is built the same you don't always have to be in those jumbo sets where everybody knows that you're going to run uh somebody at a 12 personnel sam ellinger q follow that's not exactly what we're talking about with the dynamic threats of jaleel billingsley and then jatavian sanders just having a breakout spring at the perfect time you saw a lot of 12 personnel in empty, something that Rod Babers has mentioned a lot of Texas having a lot of success, especially under Sark in empty sets. Then you had that 12 personnel to where it's really hard to match up as a defense because, okay, are you going to go nickel? And then we can manufacture some touches for Xavier Worthy in the run game or someone else, or are we just going to spread you out and just kind of hit you wherever we want? So in addition to the 12 personnel angle, what do you want to see from the Texas offense as far as specifics or just general, what do you want them to base out of? I, most people seem to think 11 is going to be the base personnel. The reason why I'm saying 12 is because I want to, I want to hit on two things. I want to say the reason why I say 12 and then get to some other couple of other things I want to see, but Jatavian Sanders as a blocker, folks, is the key component to all of this to be able to have, you know, him and, and Gunnar Helm's going to be in there, too. But Jatavian as a blocker, that gives me the ability to leverage Jalil Billingsley as that flex and to have so much more versatility, like you're saying, with my empty sets whether I want to run my running back on isolation and get him isolated on a linebacker. There's so much more I can do with my 12, especially if my, if a guy who can block, you know, with, with, with his, uh, you know, as good as we think Jatavian can, especially with the type of physical, you know, physical stature he has and, and what he showed and how he's progressed. If he can do that on a consistent basis, then I also still have one of the best guys on my team hands wise out there and freaks. So everything 
is 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 still a game of matchups. And I agree with you too. You know, I can run bunch with them. You know, off or a stack with with Jaleel Billingsley. There is a lot I can do out out of twelve. And so I think that's why. And and to to sum this all up, RPO. Quinn Ewers comes from an RPO scheme, even at Southlake. Like, he was really good with RPOs. Hudson Carr was good with RPOs. We didn't get to run a whole lot of RPOs last year. We weren't very good with inside zone. So, at least I get, you know, because after this, we'll get in the offensive line. But if I can get to some ability to run inside zone on a consistent basis, man, I can get back to some of my RPO stuff. And you can do that at 11, too. Don't get me, don't get me wrong. That, that's, that's still available for you in 11. But the other thing is my my two back packages. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with uh, Rod B here, you know. And and when we get into you know having Roshan and Bijan on, on the field at the same time, or or Keelan Robinson and Bijan, and some of the looks that that can be presented there, and where Brennan Marion ties into some of those things with Gogo, um, I do think that's something that will be incorporated to some degree, depending on the opponent. I don't expect to see it in Louisiana Monroe, but I think at some points in the season when they're getting a certain type of look or whatever, what have you, um, and the numbers and how efficient Texas has been when they've had two backs on the field, I think that's something else that I'm personally looking to see um, how they navigate through. A lot of fans on my channel uh, over at Fanatic Perspective have wanted to see four receiver sets. So, you know, we're talking like 10 personnel or, or some some variation of that. My only thing is I am limited to what my offensive line can do with some of those sets. My quick game really has to be on point in 10 because it's, you know, yes, I have all these people. I want to get a Jai Hall on the field at the same time as Xavier Worthy at the same time as Isaiah Nayor. And I hear, I hear, I hear all those comments. Um, but at the at the end of the day, Sark still wants to run the football and he wants to have as much balance as possible and keep the quarterback in an advantageous position. 10 personnel when it's third and nine doesn't mean no, doesn't help me as much as you think it does, in my opinion. So I just feel as though that emphasis is going to be on establishing the run. I mean, look at the the shot we hit to Nair in the spring game, Hudson. That's 12. Think about it. And that's off play action. Yep. So if we want to see Quinn Ewers be able to go bombs away, we have to set something up for him to do that. That's not going to come out of straight drop back. Because when we really have to throw is, I think, to take the pressure, especially off our edges, that's going to have to come more in the screen and, you know, laterally and, and drags and things of that sort. But if we want to go bombs away, we got to be really good at 12 personnel, in my opinion. The key to all of this, what you just mentioned, that, the key to all of this truly is how good the running game is going to be against a plus numbered box or even box. You can't, you can't go 10 personnel if you've shown no ability to run at an even or plus number in the box and they know that they can just defend with five. You just can't do that. And I think that what you're going to end up seeing, Stephen, honestly, is that 11 and 12 personnel and those instead of maybe RPOs at the start of the season as we're kind of figuring out exactly what offensive line combination is the best. Sure. I think you're, I think you're going to see from Texas 
those true play action shots, what Steve Sarkeesian calls the play pass, where there are maybe three progressions and it is a heavy fake. I believe um, I believe that shot to Nayor was uh, a outside zone fake, and you get that extended action to almost buy a half second to one second more for routes to develop so you can go deep. So I think you're going to see a lot of that. And the lucky thing for Texas is they have an advantage in the fact that they have uh, Bijan Robinson, the best running back. In Thank the you. So when you're keeping defenses honest, okay, maybe we do have, even if the Texas offensive line hasn't proven to us that we need to match them with one more, we might need to keep one more in the box or a safety might need to have his eyes in the backfield a little bit more because if he doesn't, Bijan Robinson's going to make a quick jump cut, spin off somebody, and put a face mask into the turf. I would love to see the numbers on it, Hudson, but I think that's one of the reasons, even last year, with, with again, all the uncertainty, the production that we did get, you know, when, you know, when Casey's thumb was healthy and, and, and you know, we were able to get some of those really, really big games from him, it always seemed like our deep crosser was wide open off those play actions. because and it makes sense, right, when you have five in the amount – the eyeballs. Because when you have guys running those deep crossers like a, like a worthy, one false step, you're out of position with somebody running that fast across the field. So all I'm looking for as a play caller is for this guy to take the one false step. We got the angle. Now my quarterback's able to lay it up. Now it's a layup throw. So – that's that's what that's the conundrum and and the bind that I think Steve Sarkeesian, just with the personnel that he has and the you know the personnel quite frankly improving from year one to year two um is, you know it's really going to be effective and, and Steven two quick things on that note one Steve Sarkeesian, like this is all intentional too they're wide open because and you know this because Steve Sarkeesian is purposefully waiting until he gets a look and then it's going to be wide open because that's what he's done his entire career. You can even look against Alabama when people know, okay, Devontae Smith's winning the Heisman, but guess what? He's wide open when they run there. Uh, I forget exactly what Steve Sarkeesian calls it, but essentially what the Oklahoma uh, and Lincoln Riley playbook calls is the shallow sting where you have that climb it looks like it's a drag and then you climb up the field uh cd lamb victimized texas on that concept over and over again um and then the second point the second point i want to mention just because i think you'll get a kick out of this specifically what we heard from uh, a source uh, i think two days ago or maybe it was from last week was that the crossers were what was killing people in Team 7-on-7 seven seven and Pascali, and that Ajay Hall looked nasty on those. So there are those real building blocks that we're talking about. It does feel a little bit theoretical because there are so many new pieces, but we're kind of getting to the point of the offseason where ideas are mixing with actual on-field results, even if it is just in practice. Stephen, something that I wanted to move on real quick, unless you had one final point on that. Okay. Um, One question I had for you, Mike and I had a long podcast breaking down every single freshman uh, last incoming freshman last week, talking about expectations, 
what we thought was reasonable for their year one, along with their entire career. And I just wanted to ask you kind of piggybacking off of that. Is there a guy that you see as maybe a sleeper, maybe a hipster type pick that you're really excited about from this incoming freshman group that maybe could play right away, but even if he's not playing right away, career-wise, you're higher on him than most. Brennan Thompson. I, I think because of, you know, we pick up Tariq Milton, we pick up Ajayi Hall, we pick up Isaiah Nayor. We have had so many conversations as a fan base, um, you know, and, and on the 247 boards about the previous receiver coach and the lack of success with the numbers we had at the receiver position. I think – with Brennan Thompson coming in from a you know smaller program, played a bunch of positions, blah blah blah. Speed is speed, brother. Yeah, speed is speed. And he doesn't lie. And you're getting a person coming here who, I think, because of his speed and because of his change of direction ability with having to play a bunch of positions, kind of similar some ways to Jordan Whittington when he came out of Quero to me a little bit. Um, I can do things with a loaded group where I'm not even asking him to go out and give me the whole route tree, to be honest with you. I'm just saying, let's do some orbit motion and give him the ball yeah. space. Yeah, here's and, a touch pass. Right. <laughs> here's a jet, you know, jet sweep. Like, there's a hey, – put him on kick return. Like, I can't hold that speed at bay for that long. Is If he's – if he's – you know, comfortable with whatever. I feel like that's a guy like Keelan Robinson last year. We really wanted certain packages for him. I feel like Brennan Thompson is going to be a guy. The moment people see him run with the football, the moment people see how fast he looks in college against these athletes, that's going to be somebody where it's like, Hey, can we, can we do some of that old uh, Percy Harvin stuff from a while ago? Or, you know what there's, I, I just don't think you can hold that speed at bay for that long, even with everybody in the room. For sure. And what adding all these people to the room does, too, is it manages expectations for Brennan. Brennan can now get two or three touches over a two-game span, look great, and then people are clamoring for him, where I was a little bit worried, to be completely honest, about the opposite of, okay, before you added Isaiah Nay or before you added to Jai Hall, before you added Tariq Milton of, oh, God, is Brennan Thompson going to have to be the fourth or third best wide receiver on this team? Right immediately after he kind of spent some time sidelined through injuries and it's a brutal adjustment. Now he is put in such a great spot and that just goes to the overall competency when it comes to program management of knowing, Hey, we do need to add another wide receiver in a Jai hall. We do need to add, okay, we missed out on Jordan Addison. Let's just get Tariq Milton because we like his profile and we think that he'd be a good addition to the program. With that being said, we are going to take a little bit of a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Steven, I feel like the we've talked for a combined hour and 30 minutes now, and one of the hottest topics we haven't even addressed, and that is a little bit of a follow-up to my previous question when it comes to those freshmen and expectations. Steven, there was a massive, both literally in quantity and uh, just pure mass, offensive line group that Kyle Flood got in 2022. Cole Hudson was the only early enrollee, and he ended the spring as the starting left guard. And you have five stars and Devon Campbell and Kelvin Banks getting to campus. You have big Cam Williams from Duncanville, who is the most prototypical Kyle Flood offensive line take that you could possibly imagine. And you've got Nato Amozolo, who is a borderline top 50 player, along with Connor Robertson and Malik Agbo, who are great players in their own right. I just need to hear your overall take on this recruiting class and how they could potentially contribute as freshmen before we go into the nitty gritty. The hope is that it's program changing from a sense of what Texas has been recruiting in the trenches and just the, you know, I mean, the NFL, we, we, we harped a lot about NFL scouting uh, in our, in part one and perception. And a big piece of that has been with, with offensive line, and, you know, the lack of development, the lack of size, lack of talent, whatever you want to call it. We've had guys here and there like Connor Williams or, 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 or um, Sam Cosby. But o- across the board, when you bring in this group from the profile and the persona that Kyle Flood already has in, in the world of college football and the respect that he has and what he's what he's done, we, I don't remember, like, it, this hasn't happened when we brought in guys like this as a bunch in the trenches that are also amazing athletes that are amazing. Like, they're not just big for no reason, right? Yeah. Like, Cole Hudson ending the spring with the ones. I look at that, yes, we we got, we, we have some issues with depth and all that. I look at that as, oh, no, we recruited a really good football player off the bat that was ready to play. Oh, yeah, and he was awesome. <laughs> like, it, you're absolutely right that it, there is a little bit of, okay, depth was what it was, but he still earned it. He wasn't put there immediately. He had to earn it, and all the reports that we heard was th- that he was doing exactly that. So you're absolutely yeah. right. People were discounting that. Like, well, he's only in there because, you know, blah, blah, blah. No, like, this is this is what's coming to the table. Like, even when they talked about, you know, the the, the – the reports when they got there, Kelvin Banks and his size, and and also knowing the work that they have been doing, I know a lot of us wish they could have been there for spring. Well, I'm, you know, I'm 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 all with it, and that would help move things along, maybe even change predictions. I don't know, but we know Cam Williams body wise looks better to me than what he did even at the end of high school. So that we're seeing some some improvements um, already with these with these kids. And I have a guy like 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 
Is there any more ready to go day one offensive lineman in this entire 22, 22 cycle that's ready to go more than DJ Campbell? No. To play college football day one with what he can do and his positional versatility? Like, you guys are surprised about Cole Hudson. Like, that's what I expect from DJ Campbell to be. And I hate to just throw these things out there, but it's exciting because we haven't had this Hudson. And I think it's actually really impacted other skill guys that I think were probably have different careers at Texas had we had this type of emphasis on the offensive line, the talent level, and the sheer size. I mean, we talked about scheme earlier. Everything goes together. They want to run inside zone and and want to be able to lean on people and, and be versatile. You need guys like this to be able to do that, and I think they got that with this class. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Inside zone is the base of this offense and of most modern offenses. And the thing with Devon Campbell too, Stephen, is he – he will elevate that eventually. Whether he does it um, year one, we'll see because it is a large amount of expectations. But eventually he will be that mauler on inside zone. But what he also brings you is you can run pin and pull and he can smack some people. You can run power as the leading or the backside guard and he'll smack some people. He can do just about everything. And I'm absolutely with you. I do think that, and Mike and I mentioned this last week as well, and it's just good to hear it from another voice. I do think that he is the most ready to go plug in because, you know, there's an element of this too. I'm sure you kind of agree with it's a, it's easier to be an interior offensive lineman when you are first starting than playing out at the edge at tackle. It's just a little bit easier to plug in there. And Devon Campbell is an interior offensive lineman all the way. So while it may even take Kelvin Banks some time to get fully acclimated and he could even not play this year. And that's not a, mark on his development sometimes they're not ready what i want to go into next Stephen, is the question everybody's been asking takes are all over the place on this from we should be starting four offensive linemen that are freshmen to we don't need to start a single one because you can't expect any freshmen to make an impact like that right away at louisiana monroe how many true freshmen are starting on the offensive line and game six of the year how many true freshmen are starting on the offensive line? Okay. I think game one, I think it's going to, my personal opinion, I think it's going to be one. I think, it, I think DJ breaks that crew. Um, and Cole Hudson's probably right there just because of how he ended his spring. But that, you know, I, I'm still, I'm not going to put disrespect on Junior Angelau's name and, Hayden Connor is going to be one of my five. It's just a question of where he plays. Um, so that's the other thing, right? Like, because to me, Hayden Connor, Hayden Connor is a guard too. But with him getting all those reps at left tackle, that actually buys some time if he's able to hold up, you know, relatively well. That buys everybody time. But Hayden Connor is going to be one of my five. So, but he's not a true freshman, right? So, um, I think DJ Campbell is going to be the one that I would say starts Louisiana Monroe. Like if I had to guess um, game six, I think you could see Kelvin Banks in there. I think you could start to see, especially after, after Bama uh, at that point, you've played Oklahoma. You, you really have, you know, seen some, some guys under, you know, even in practice, how guys are coming along what they're comfortable with. If they understand the calls, if the game's not moving too fast, because I feel like for a lot of these guys, it's also going to be a mental game. Not so oh, much yeah. as 
physical. They these guys are big, man. Even as freshmen. And 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 to your point, like DJ, like you talking about DJ and Cam and them, they play basketball too, bro. Like they these guys can move the the you know screens, all that. Like I'm not worried about them when they get hands on man, so to speak. It's more so things are out of control. And did I hear the call or do I know the call or do I know you know things of things of those sorts? And and you know guy like Tope Amade, you watched his development last year. He's talked to me about you know the mental aspect of the game with with the offensive line and, and how Kyle Flood teaches that as well. So with that being said, I would probably say by midseason, maybe two. Um, but that's only out of respect to some of the guys that I still like, like Hayden Connor, Jim sure. and uh, Jake Majors. Absolutely. And I think that this is the proper balance to frame this discussion with, because the truth is, no matter if they all hit and they're all studs, you're going to really struggle to get past three ever. And three even three feels silly to me even to say as a possibility, even with the amount of respect that I have for Cole Hudson, Nato Moslow, and Cam Williams. And even, you know, even maybe if Kelvin Banks was the third, it's just really tough to get that many true freshmen on an offensive line. But I don't think people should discount the fact that you could end up with two. And maybe it's not even the same two all of the time because of injuries. Who knows if the swing tackle isn't one of those guys that we just mentioned. And Steven, something that I find pretty interesting is what you said about Hayden Connor, because people have talked about penciling in certain guys for the starting five and junior Anglau, I think is absolutely in there because of the experience, but Hayden Connor, because of the body type that he has and the improvement during the spring to where he was the guy that we heard about the most as the best offensive lineman. And he was kind of taking over at left tackle. I think that you can pencil in him for one of the five spots. And guess what? If Kelvin Banks is good enough to even take one of the tackle spots and he can move, that's just better. That's, that's better. Great. Yeah. I can play uh, Hayden at his true position then. That, like, great. Exactly. <laughs> so, I think that's really interesting, and I'll say this too. <laughs> We've been hitting up sources consistently because the offensive line nuggets, as you can tell from just fans talking on the board and on Twitter, people want to know about how the freshman offensive line looks. And we haven't gotten a ton of substance because they're just going through workouts right now. But the main thing that you do here is, hey, they're you know big as hell, just as big as hell as when we recruited them, if not bigger. And that ability to come in and physically compete right away, we're going to hear about it in fall camp. Like you're not, I, I mentioned this on a uh, previous discussion with Kieran, our friend who I cannot remember uh, exactly where it was, but we kind of had this, this discussion of Cole Hudson showed up and I, Mike and I talked about this as well. Cole Hudson showed up and it was like, okay, the true freshman on the offensive line, you know, let's see how he handles the practice. And nobody's punking Cole Hudson. He's punking other people. And you're going to hear those same stories from fall camp of, oh, yeah, somebody tried to get a cheap shot on Big Cam Williams. And uh, what what the scuffle that ensued afterwards wasn't good. Nobody on earth is punking DJ Campbell. That That's just a fact. You you There is not a more football-focused, serious guy. So his mentality – you know, if there's any sort of chippiness, he's going to let him know right away. So 
I don't know. It's it's a really exciting development for Texas to have this these many bodies that you can play. But managing expectations and the potential quickness of them getting into the lineup is something to kind of maybe cause some hesitancy or tap the brakes just a little bit. We people want to win and they want to win now, and I get it. And and some people look at the turnover in college football. Even with Baylor, Baylor and Michigan State are probably the two examples that people have used this offseason the most of like programs that like just flip the switch, Mm -hmm. so to speak. And everybody's situation is different. And I just feel as though with Texas, with the amount of talent that I know we have and the competency of coaches that I know we have, I'm looking forward to enjoying the journey of their progression. I want to say that again, even with the offensive linemen. That when I say program changing, I'm not just talking about guys that are going to get developed and go to the NFL. Like that's going to be great. And I hope that it starts a trend. But it's also like what you're talking about in terms of attitude. Quarterback goes down last year. Nobody does anything. That bothers me. That bothers me. Right. Like somebody needs to get hit, man. Like somebody needs to take a flag on this. I don't care. We want to take 15, bro. You ain't going to touch my quarterback. So, yeah, absolutely. That mentality, I know those kids have that. I don't want. To, I hope they don't lose it, but I ho- I know they have that right now. We've seen it at all their respective schools. They got nasty. Same thing with the defensive guys, because I think those guys are starting to get a little underrated. You know, the Taps, the Bledsoes, and the Finkleys of the world. You don't see those guys walking around with smiles on their faces, Hudson. I'm just saying, my 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 interior guys, my my guys in the in in the box. They're not walking around with smiles on their faces. They walk around like, where are my reps? I'm ready to eat. I'm ready to compete. I'm ready to lift. What does it take? We're hungry. And so that is a program-changing mentality I think Texas needs. I Yeah, I want to be – I want to turn around like Michigan State and Bailey did. Hell yeah. But it, I'm still going to enjoy, enjoy this journey regardless. It's interesting, Stephen, because that is one thing that we have heard. And you want to filter. It's media literacy at its finest is filtering reports from sources because, you know, everybody has an agenda. But that is one thing that through enough people, even guys that may be um, even guys from other programs that are just hearing stuff about Texas. That is one thing that the mentality shift does seem to have happened where maybe last year it was, yeah, we respect Sark and everything, but, you know, we're. Yeah, I don't know if I fully bought in. It seems that people have bought in. Um, next up, when we're talking about this, we haven't touched on the defensive side of the ball as much. We Part one, we did a little bit, but scheme specific, is there anything that you're really excited about uh, to either find out or look for when it comes to fall camp? Assuming we do play three three five with with the guys we have, I'm, I want to see how can, – can I stop the run with, with my big boys, period? And, and when we're talking about stopping the run, let's be let's – be, let's get into this. We're talking about stopping outside zone. All, all, all – like that – at the end of the day, even with up and down and inconsistent as we were in the trenches and across the board defensively, we had moments and – I also feel like we were never in the best shape physically last year. I think I'm looking forward to seeing this defense in better physical shape and better condition. But I never felt like people were just running the ball like 
straight down middle, especially like earlier in games. I think a lot of those issues technique wise, but also schematically came on the edges. Yeah. And they tried to throw a lot of things at it last year. They took, and I think, you know, they regrettably took Anthony Cook off and they were trying to play more gofu and, and trying to balance the numbers a little bit more. And I didn't think it was the most effective thing, but can I stop the run even out of my base, like where I don't have to, to, to play all these games and manipulate all these things? There's a reason why they went full till after O'Shawn Mathis, all right? And they came up short. They didn't get that. But they don't have that true, you know, dominant edge rusher where defenses have to, 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 to shift and all those type of things. But what they know they do have is a bunch of interior linemen that have a world of potential. So let's be big. Let's be physical. Match that energy we just talked about with the offensive line and, and be able to, you know, solidify those edges better and what and 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 because at the point of attack i think that's also gonna on the back end help our linebackers in, in our secondary as well so i know a lot of people hear 335 and they they they, they cringe hudson fans out there they cringe but when we're talking about this we're talking about leveraging three of those interior guys like a ojimo being like an extra guy per se and then walking down one of those you know like a like a, a goal fool or you know, somebody of that sort as the fourth man at the line of scrimmage. So you may not notice it on your TV, but we know it because of that personnel that's in there. That's more so what I'm I'm looking to see because I, I don't know with, with what PK traditionally does if we're there yet with the personnel to do that for an entire football game. That, that's kind of where I'm at. Something that I thought was interesting that you hit on was last year when they played Anthony Cook at nickel, having to take him off the field at times when they wanted to go base. That's something that I'm really looking forward to this year. Not only is that Cook has moved from nickel to safety, because the safety play last year was pretty bad, and just to put it bluntly, and putting him at safety, moving Jade Barron at nickel, I'm really curious. I don't want Jade Barron off the field. If you have to go base, I would rather have that cross-training ability to put Jade Barron at corner. Yes. Him and Ryan Watts are the corners, and you have Anthony Cook and whoever wins the other safety job, whether it's Keaton Crawford or Jaron Thompson or whoever. That's something that I would like to see changed from this year because I do think that Jade Barron is talented enough to where he can cross-train at both positions. He can hold up at corner or at nickel. And if you're bringing on Deshaun Jameson or Terrence Brooks or whoever the other corner is, that be the person that gets the rotational snaps instead of Barron. That goes back to, you know, Rob Babers is, is the best at, at talking about this uh, with the Dwayne Aquina days of guys being able to be cross-trained and can you play man coverage? Yeah. And I know, you know, we're not, we're not, we're not, we're, we're more of a, what would you say, you know, cover kind of match, cover three yeah. type scheme. Um, is. But in terms of matching up on somebody is what was more so what we're talking about in technique, because we have people that were just uncomfortable doing that every which way, or you have traditional safeties that are thumpers, but they're weak in coverage and things of that sort, because you want to be able to shift personnel around. Like, like Hudson just said, I don't want to take one of my best, highly graded defensive players off the field because of that. He can play corner too. Put him over there. We're fine. Jade Barron's fine. Put him at the boundary, field, whatever you want to do. 
somebody else comes off and we still bulk up and get big, but I don't, I don't take my best DB off the field just because he's a nickel. So I completely, completely agree. I don't see them making that same mistake. I think they're, they're going to learn from that. Um, you know, we've been big on giving this staff credit for, for learning from their mistakes. And mm-hmm. I think that's something where we'll see also influence of Gary Patterson because, you know, traditionally the TCU DBs were very good at that as well. So um, I think we could see a little bit of sprinkling from Gary there to help out, but um, you, I can't see that again, Hudson. I'm with you. He, yeah. He has to stay in. That's your guy. Make it work. I want to talk about the linebacker room next, Stephen, and I think it'll segue into what I think is the biggest schematic wrinkle that I that we've heard. Mike had an article where he mentioned it, I think, about a week ago. Um, but I think that the biggest potential schematic wrinkle is in play with the linebacker room. But first, I just want to get your take on the group overall. So, you know, with with uh, with, with Dorsey coming in, the transfer from from JMU and, and FCS All American, very excited to have him. That puts a lot of pressure. You know, people are looking at Jalen Ford, but I like you know I've liked the progression and development of Jalen Ford. And oh yeah, I see good. I see really good there. So my my whole thing is you know there's 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 like I like David Benda. I like Demarvel Overshow. Got the armbanded gear on and everything. We representing out here. Um, what I what I'd like to see though, especially with Demo, I feel like as much as this team needs Demo to be consistent in terms of technique, proper shoulder angles, engaging blocks, all the – we know he can do the splash stuff. We've seen it. We've seen a lot of splash. Mm-hmm. Free gap, you know, whether it's interceptions, fumble, force fumbles, blessing through the A-gap. Um, but if he can clean up some of those linebacking things, I think he's – I think you actually try to look, especially with lack of pass rush – that's somebody where I'm like, can we use him like a Gary Johnson a few years ago? We were just sending the guy through an A-gap all the time like a mad person. Now, other things have to come in play there too. But if I'm getting better linebacker play from, from Jalen or Dorsey or even David Benda, then I can do some of those more fun things. Their athletic profiles are also similar. A lot of these guys, like they can run. You know, they they they're, they can move laterally um, and, and, and diagnose. But – to me, I think if I'm Jeff Choate, I can't play favorites with anybody. We were five and seven, one of the worst run defenses in the country last year. I'm playing. This is why Luke B played a lot last year, folks. Who's going to do what I'm asking them to do and be where they're supposed to be? And so I love the competition in the room. I love their athletic profile. Um, I'm hoping that my boy DeMarvion can be showcasing a way he cleans up his, his, his technique and all that where he can have some splash plays and it doesn't hurt the team in other areas. Steven, I, I love talking about line. It's my favorite defensive position to talk about because, because the, it is, I think the best example of modern football's shift, the old school pluggers that you used to see at linebacker that guess what? Sometimes if you turn on big 10 network, you still see them. Yeah, but the guys with the neck rolls. and <laughs> Those guys aren't playing linebacker anymore. You have to be able to cover in space now. And so that, that athletic profile you're talking about, that baseline, 
everybody does have it. And it's good to see Texas kind of go into that new era, even on the recruiting front to where you're recruiting the Samaje Burrells, you're recruiting the spun down safeties and Jonathan Hall and Javen Anderson, who play safety at the high school level, but physically will profile the linebacker. I teased a big scheme wrinkle and you kind of hit on it a little bit, but something that Mike reported last week that I think will be the biggest um, thing to watch during the fall is the ability for DeMarion Overshone to spin down to edge if Diamante Tucker Dorsey and Jalen Ford look good at inside backer. Because the edge is the worst part of, I'd say, the probably the worst position group on the team right now. That's just kind of real talk. When you look at every other spot, there's a lot of certainty. Yeah, at least the biggest question mark for exactly. sure. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So if you're able to turn Ophia Gofu, uh, Baron Sorrell, and Justice Finkley as the three best to then keeping DeMarvian Overshone on the field and having him in a sort of hybrid role to where he can play Buck or he can drop into coverage truly because we've seen that he's excelled at that. And you're just giving yourself a lot more options because one of the things that I think that I mentioned on part one that needs to be reiterated is that Jalen Ford had a hell of a spring and really looks good. And they were telling him throughout the spring, hey, if we add a linebacker, you know, don't be worried. Like you have, you've earned a penciled in spot for that starting role. And don't think that you're entering fall camp in any sort of a, uh, of course it's a competition, but we're not trying right. to replace you is I guess what I'm trying to say. And that versatility that Marvin Overshone has could almost mask some of those deficiencies that you just talked about, Stephen. If he's able to really pin the ears back on the edge instead of always having to read the triangle, take on a pulling guard, then you start getting into a little bit more hope for this Texas defense because it's kind of the same principle as not taking Jade Barron off the field. You're replacing an edge that might be young for a guy that has a ton of snaps and you know physically can get the job done. I uh, I love being on the cusp of of some of some of the uh, the hot inside stuff, and uh, thank you for sharing that from you and Mike because I I I think the athletic profile that he has on the edge. And how, how we've already seen how when he gets, you know, just blitzing and whatnot, I know it's different when you're constantly pursuing the quarterback. But um, the ability to drop into coverage and still mix and match, I think that's perfect for him. And he gets to be more of an instinctive hunter role, and everybody else kind of plays within their principles within the defense. I think that makes Texas a little bit more exotic, too, um, in terms of really throwing people off, whereas – you look at that position last year, you had a lot of guys who were just, you know, the Ray Thorns of the world and some other guys who, you know, teams weren't going to over adjust or over account for. If you have a guy like Agent Zero over there who starts showing you some of those things at the edge, that changes that changes a lot for your defense. So um, I'm very encouraged by, by, by hearing that, Hudson, quite frankly. That 
as a fan, I'm getting giddy, giddy inside personally. It's it's absolutely exciting. I do think it could be one of the more pivotal things to follow, and just exciting from a maximizing the upside of the defense. Of course, we're 87 away uh, days away till football. There could be a package that they throw in the second week of uh, fall camp that just you know bust and isn't that good and will we'd immediately hear hey okay demo's just only gonna be an inside linebacker they're not gonna move around that that still has yeah. to happen but it's worth following well i mean we've been we get teased with stuff all the time i mean I remember when tyler owens was gonna play linebacker when he was still here and, yeah, so mike linebacker goodness <laughs> the thing though with with the linebackers and i want to see you need the depth because that's a freaking violent position. People are gonna get hurt. Yeah, people are gonna get hurt. Like every year we've had, we, we we've had guys go down for various reasons, and now all the coverage too. So you're not even considering soft tissue. Like we need, like Devin Richardson still needs to be ready to play. David Bendis still needs to be ready to play. Absolutely. You know some of these younger guys. I mean, that's that's not a position where you just set it and forget it with your even your two deep sometimes. Yeah, I mean, there's other positions like corner. You're thinking, all right, my guys should, barring any type of leg issue, should stay healthy, right? But how many guys have we seen, you know, four games into the season, shoulder issue, pec issue? So um, because of the nature of the position, you want a lot of bodies there, personally. Yeah, and also, Stephen, I believe the research has shown, I wish I had the number off the top of my head, but... I believe linebackers and safeties in the new era of modern football where your head being too low in a tackle one time can get you tossed from games and miss snaps. Mm. You have to be able to have those third and fourth guys because if you get into a spot to where DeMarvian Overshone gets tossed in the first quarter of X game, well – at that point, Maurice Blackwell needs to have cross-trained enough at linebacker to potentially get some snaps. And that's where you do get into, again, that program-building aspect and Sark starting to put those pieces together to where it is kind of encouraging that the roster just has so much more talent than what they were working with last year. We, we have to continue to emphasize that on any platform that we're on, Hudson, in terms of the overall program, it's not just about recruiting somebody to be first on the two deep all the time. It's having all of these scenarios and factors in mind because every single season we get into it and somebody goes out and we're like, why is this person all of a sudden playing? Because yeah. it's fan. Like I get it. Like growing up as a fan, like I never consider you don't consider injuries and things like the way the game is called penalties and all of these things, these variables that happen where all of a sudden you don't see it at, at Bama when Dallas Turner comes in all of a sudden because he wasn't starting it from jump, and Dallas Turner just gets in there and he's a suit because they got freaks all over the place. Yeah. So I agree with you. Trying to get the program to that point where it's like, damn, we lost so-and-so, but we got another we got another dog right behind him. Absolutely. Steven, we spent over two hours talking Texas athletics, some, a lot of Texas football, some really good stuff. I am extremely excited about how this turned out. Um, it's flown by. In, yeah, absolutely. Just in case um, somebody skip, you know, the 15 second skip on podcasts and YouTube, I use it. It's okay. We can admit it's there. Um, 
just in case you missed the first uh, part of the show, part one of this conversation, in case you're not watching in order, is on Steven's YouTube channel, Fanatic Perspective. Like and subscribe to both of the Horns 24-7 and Fanatic Perspective YouTube channels. Go back and check out that part one as well. Some really good stuff. And real quick, I just wanted to explain, this is the first episode of Talking Texas Football. It's not always going to be Talking Texas Football. Um, the official title is just Talking Texas Blank, and whether that's softball, baseball, basketball, recruiting, anything Texas-related, this is just a little bit of supplemental bonus content for the Horns 24-7 podcast and YouTube feeds. Mike and I will still have the state of recruiting tomorrow. Steven, thank you so much for doing this. It was an absolute blast, and you're welcome back anytime. Hudson, thank you for having me on. Congratulations, episode one in the books. Really appreciate you having me on. Thank you so much. Thank you, man. And Taylor, thank you as well for producing all of this. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Sample, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.